Hey y'all, it's me again, Bonnie Violet. I just wanted to take a second and thank my Patreon members. Patreon members are folks who contribute on a monthly basis, anywhere from $3 to $150 a month to support the work of a queer chaplain. Big shout out to Victoria Thompson, Jason Brandt, Brandon Stanton, Kim Silva, Brandy McCarg, Randy Sandnot, Bob Kaiser, Joey Heckmeister, Violet Rhiannon, Gabriel, Jonathan, Patrick and Todd Atkins Whitley. Thank you so much for your continued contributions. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, just check the link in the description. Go to patreon.com forward slash Bonnie Violet. Thanks so much. Bye bye. the music a little bit. Hello everyone, my name is Bonnie Violet. I'm a trans femme genderqueer spiritual drag artist and digital chaplain. Um, just in case you're coming across me for the first time and you have found yourself at Say Something Sundays, which is a series that um, this is the second time I've done this series. Um, and basically the idea is for me to say something on Sunday. Um, and really kind of, you know, an opportunity for me to reflect or share experience or thoughts on, on different things. In the past, I talked about like a desire for God versus desperation for God or my inheritance, what it's like, what I was taught, what came before me. Um, and there were a couple others. Um, as many of you know, this week was Trans Day of Visibility. Um, the, date, the date technically was on Friday, but there were a number of... Um, events and situations throughout the week um, that kind of um, culminated to the whole week of activities. Um, I myself had something to do um, for six six days in a row um, related to Trans Day of Visibility in so many different variations. And through that process, um, some questions and thoughts have come up and I was just kind of trying to think in summary, you know, what has Trans Day of Visibility meant to me um, this year. Um, I don't recall, <clears throat> I guess where I would like to start is, is um, uh, I have a podcast called Splintered Grace, which you may or may not be aware of. Um, this is a podcast that I uh, created with my aunt Tina, who is a conservative Christian who lives in 
uh, Maricopa, uh, Arizona. Um, she is a conservative Christian, um, and she is probably one of my biggest allies and one of my nearest and dearest friends. Um, we started out that way when we were young. Um, uh, she actually got me started into church when I was like five or six. Um, and then, you know, life happened. She's a little older than me. Um, and so she, uh, basically life happened. Eventually, you know, I came out as being uh, gay and I was diagnosed with HIV. Um, and from then on, um, for about 20 years, our relationship was estranged. And prior to that, I was like living with her. I was taking care of her kids. I was involved in church uh, stuff with her. So we were super, super, super close. And then all of a sudden everything changed. I had told her that I was gay and she didn't really respond to that well. And um, so it just kind of created um, a riff for us, a riff that lasted 20 years. Um, but a few years ago, we started, um, we just started being in relationship with one another again. And she's one of the only people in my family who call me by my name and use the pronouns that I prefer. Um, and the pronouns that people that are closest to me in my life, um, use for me and have used for me for years. Um, but anywho, one of the things that I love about my aunt and I's relationship and our ability to do a podcast is we really like to, we try to show up as authentically and real um, as we can and and uh, with one another. And we both have two very different point of views, even though we grew up in the same little town in Wendell, Idaho. And so this week we focused on Trans Day of Visibility and wanted to talk about trans visibility and what our like what our understanding was of it, you know, throughout our lifespan um, and then to kind of to where it is today. And we kind of got off, we started talking a little bit of how like we didn't see trans people that we were aware of um, growing up where we grew up. And in the, the years that we grew up, um, we both grew up, she grew up as a teen in the eighties and um, I grew up as a teen in the nineties. And at that time we just didn't, know of people. I'm sure there are people around us who were trans, um, but it was a different time. And, you know, check out the podcast. You can hear us talk a little bit more about that. But one of the questions that she came up with was, well, why does there need to be a day of trans visibility? Um, and it was a very, like, genuine uh, question. And um, I think it's one that a lot of people have, or a lot of people might think, um, why do we need this day? And like, who is this, who is this day for or whatever? And with that question, um, you know, for me as a trans person who's um, transitioned much later in life, um, I th believe that a lot of that happened um, because I did not see trans, transness um, in the environments that I was in. You know, I didn't, I didn't see or hear about them in church. I didn't see or hear them at school. Um, and even when I moved on to, uh, you know, moved into my more adult life, uh, living in Phoenix and, and kind of becoming part of the, I guess, the broader LGBTQ um, community um, and identifying as a gay man for so long, mainly because I just didn't... Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I just knew that I wasn't, um, I don't know. It just seemed like as a flamboyant or feminine uh, person that, um, that was assigned male at birth that, you know, that must mean that I'm gay <laughs> or that seemed like a, a safer place for me to exist in. And um, I have lots of um, internalized transphobia that I can, I can see now um, uh, that kind of, you know, played out in my relationships um, throughout the years um, with other trans people, um, with drag in particular, and just even with myself. Um, and uh, one of the things that drag has really helped me to do, well, I'm not quite sure where I was going with all that, but, but basically the why one of my responses was, um, you know, like it's important for me, as I was starting to say, um, not seeing myself reflected in the world um, left me searching and it left me um, feeling um, incomplete in some ways. And, uh, you know, for me, um, and I have a couple of uh, other videos that I talked about um, around touch and my experience with transitioning. Um, and as I've transitioned, I realized I've been able to actually deal with a lot of the trauma um, and trauma response from my childhood um, that, um, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Once I started hormones, and again, there's other videos I'll put in the description where you can hear me talk about it a little bit more. But um, basically, as I started hormones and started transitioning, I'm actually, actually feel like I'm, I'm like residing in my body and I have a relationship with my body that I don't recall really ever having um, in my life. And um, I feel like I've lived a good part of my life disassociated and kind of in my head or just not really having a great relationship with my body. Um, and maybe just a connection with it. Um, and um, so, so yeah, so um, through this opportunity of transitioning, I'm coming to just realize how much I've missed out on, I guess. You know, I try not to dwell on it too much because I'm grateful for the life that I've lived and, and who I am today and who knows what created me, <laughs> you know, in this way. I think life has a way of happening to us and um, we become products of um of life and things that happen to us, no matter how much we try. And, you know, for much of my life, I was just a victim to life. And I felt like I didn't, I couldn't do much about the fact that I, um, you know, that life was happening to me. And sometimes I'd be resentful that I felt like, especially when I had like sexual assaults or trauma responses to things that were still playing out in my life in ways that were toxic or not helpful to me. Um, I really struggled with that and I fought with that. I resented it. Um, and the last few years I've been able to really kind of um, get to a space where I can acknowledge and these things that have happened to me. And yes, they have created responses and reactions uh, with life, but also um, it's, it's also helped me to, um, sorry, I keep seeing the, connection coming and going. So 
I don't know how things are looking for folks who are watching live. I do apologize. Um, the internet connection seems to just not be so great. Um, and of course, I'm going to lose my train of thought, but that's kind of, I think, a part of what this process is going to be, is just me um, having an opportunity to kind of just share where I'm at with things. So visibility has been so important to my um, journey mm -hmm. to, um, to, to find myself. Um, uh, just to kind of push it through a little bit further. Um, I also um, had an opportunity this week kind of thinking about childhood and stuff. I got a call from a pastor in Portland that I worked with in the past who asked that I, um, if I would like uh, lip sync or sing a song um, for a, a church event um, with family um, around drag and transness um, and uh, I happened to be getting in drag already um, for my interview with Amelia Blake, who is a trans drag queen who grew up in the Twin Falls area, um, which is where I, close to home. It's close to where I am from originally. Um, and anyway, uh, this uh, pastor had asked me to sing, um, I think it was uh, You Are My Sunshine or something like that. And, and um, I... I said, well, can I lip sync and can I do it in drag? And can I, um, can I actually do this little light of mine? Uh, this little light of mine is a song that is more, um, it's, a, it's my nephew's song. Um, my nephew, Wyatt Hades died close to 10 years now, I think around nine, 10 years, I believe ago. Um, and, uh, when at his funeral, um, the song that we picked was This Little Light of Mine because Wyatt Hades stands for light in the darkness. And um, so whenever I get a chance, I really like to, um, to uh, I don't know, lean into that connection because I feel like um, that, little, that little person really changed me um, in, in big ways, in, in spiritual ways. Uh, I think that my spirituality got deeper and my drive to being more integrated um, as a queer person um, and a spiritual person and really trying to hold those two identities at the same time, two identities that were thought to be um, contrary to one another. Um, and that's looked different throughout the years. Like I said, it's been almost a decade now. Um, so a lot has happened, but um, I'll also include that video clip in the link uh, if you want to check out the lip sync to this little light of mine. Um, but it was just kind of like one of those full circle moments. And, and that also um, takes me back to this idea of, you know, I try not to think too much about like what it would have been like if I could have started transitioning earlier, like what it would have been like if my um, parents, you know, allowed me to be feminine or saw that I was trans or that, you know, whatever. I mean, they didn't know it was an option. I didn't know it was an option. Um, I've shared, I don't really remember much of my childhood, but um, that was one of the things I got to share in that drag video as well, it was um, with the, this little light of mine. They also did a little interview about like, you know, what would you say to parents of kids 
who um, who want to do drag or whatever. And and I was just kind of like, well, just like you know, just encourage them. And and uh, I think for me, one of the things was is I didn't get a chance to to do that when I was younger. And I think to some degree, drag allows me to uh, do some inner child work. To be honest with you, to to try to find some playfulness to to tap into um, that inner child and letting her be her a little bit more, which is interesting. It was an interesting thought that kind of came to mind that is part of the magic of drag for me um, later in life and really coming to a place of trying to be more, um, again, kind of trying to have a new experience with um, the life that I've lived and the life that I've been you know, given. Um, yeah. And so, um, so I was kind of interested. So I think that's for me, drag, a big part of drag is, is to get to a space of play and to get to a space of feminine expression. Um, it's also what's allowed me, you know, to, to understand that I am trans and to really live into that. Um, drag was like an excuse for me to to um, express myself in ways that that felt good, um, felt really vulnerable, um, but but it felt it's hard to explain. But I'd never felt again so connected to my body and in my body and and happy with my body and what was on it and how I looked and you know things like that. Um, and and again, I never thought I was like I used to always say I never thought I was an attractive person or whatever. I was just kind of there. Um, and I think I was just starting to have an experience with myself that was like, I'm more than just there. You know, my body is more than just here. Um, and try to get to know it um, a little bit more. And that's been one of the gifts of transition. Um, and so I know this is kind of <laughs> a little all over the place. And if you're watching live and if you have questions or want to direct me, that is cool as well. I did write some notes uh, so that I could kind of um, bring up some of the other things, but I also got an opportunity to go to a rally, which also kind of speaks to this childhood and what if I would have known sooner, but I'm transitioning later in life. And again, I want to reiterate that I'm not dwelling on like something that I missed out on, but it is just an experience that I didn't have. And I was at this rally um, for Trans Day of Visibility um, here at the Anne Frank Memorial um, in Boise. And it was like a last minute thing that I went to. And um, I was so glad that I ended up going. And it was also challenging. Um, there was a lot of young people. There were a lot of like teenagers and preteens maybe. They're probably like 12, 13, I'm assuming. I don't know. <laughs> you know, as we get older, everyone looks so much younger. But um, they were sharing their experiences as being trans kids and growing up as trans kids and just with their families. And there was, you know, there was a lot of like pride and confidence and strength in them. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of really difficult emotions and feelings and uh, with all the laws that are happening right now and just how it is just being in the world with, you know, whether it's teachers or classmates or, and, you know, there are some tears shared and some, you know, people 
kids had talked about on it on aliving themselves and which was just you know the other side of the coin I guess and there was an element of me when I was leaving I was reflecting with one of the folks that I went with and was like maybe me not knowing I was trans when I was a kid was in some ways a gift um in the sense of I don't know how I couldn't imagine how I would have coped with that knowing of myself um, given, you know, the time and the, the, the home and the town and, and the place that I was, you know, and, and, and nobody, nobody. Um, and that was one of the things that um, has kind of come up a lot over this week as well, too, in my interview with the drag artist who's trans, who's from the area that I grew up in. And then I had another interview with um, a therapist and another friend of mine about, um, about trans, about transness and kind of growing up. And, and my parents did amazing job with me, you know, Um, and they did everything they could to raise me to be a, um, you know, to be a good person, you know, and, and some of that was not allowing my femininity or, you know, things like that, but, but they didn't know any better and they didn't know any different. And so I can't imagine if, if I would have pushed that more because even when, even when my dad was trying to, um, I think, I mean, I don't even know how I I read it, but I guess it was just like when I wasn't being man enough, um, I think I had that sort of knowledge, um, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting how you can see it now, but I just saw it as like, I wasn't quite man enough or I wasn't man in the, the right ways. And it, it made me really insecure about my expression. Um, but I wonder what it would have been like, or I thought maybe it was good that I didn't, I didn't say dad, I'm, I'm a girl <laughs> or mom, I'm a girl or, you know, at that age or growing up in the school that I did. And, you know, and again, it's no, like nobody's, nobody's an asshole. (laughs) Nobody's like, you know, nobody's like a monster. Um, Harm happens in life. um, Even when we're trying our best to um, show up for people. And um, I don't know, it just kind of got me thinking a little bit more of like, well, maybe it's a good thing I didn't know when I was younger. Um, even though it feels like transitioning much later in life, it feels like I could have avoided so much. Um, you know, like, I don't know, there's just so much of my life that could have been different um, that might have, you know, kept me from from sexual assaults or kept me maybe even from getting HIV or addictions. Like, I don't know. Um, so I really, I really do try not to dwell on that. Um, that too much um, because that's not my experience. But I do think for me being a part of trans day of visibility in particular, and for me kind of doing these events is, you know, I hope that um, people younger than me are getting to have a different experience. And, and that if me, you know, being willing to show up and say I'm trans or, I mean, I'm just freaking existing, but if my existence can help somebody else, um, not have to go through what I went through to maybe feel less isolated or maybe to avoid some sort of trauma or 
to whatever that sort of thing is, because I know how important it was for me to eventually find that and see that for myself. And it took me a long time um, to, to find that there's so many people who I remember, like there are plenty of trans people who are people who saw me before I saw me. Um, I remember, I remember some, I remember a trans woman telling me like, you know, girl, this was back when I was like, I had a beard and I just thought I was like a, bearded lady, so to speak. I didn't realize I was trans. I didn't identify that way. Um, but I was definitely leaning into my femininity a little bit more and like wearing skirts and dresses and, you know, things like that in public. And I remember one of the girls saying, you know, girl, like you just take some moans, it'll soften things right up. And I was like, Oh, you know, like, that's not me. And that's not my, I'm not that girl, you know? And, um, I've always kind of had a heart especially later in life for the uh, trans community in general as a whole. I remember somebody thinking I was a trans man at one point in my life, um, which um, was interesting (laughs) that it was kind of the other way around. Um, But I could, I could, you know, I I understand that now. And I I didn't see it as actually saw it as kind of a, a like a compliment in some ways. Um, I just felt like it was interesting. I think somebody maybe did see me, um, and uh, could see me uh, when when I couldn't. Um, where am I at with this? Um, I uh, well, trans day of visibility. I'm reflecting on. I took some notes here um, with the rally and and everything, and you know kind of in response to that question, like why trans day of visibility or why do we need the day? And um, I remember saying to my aunt, I think it's like, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for us. Maybe it's for other trans people. And what non-trans people do with that day, I guess, is up to them. My hope is, is that maybe they would see more of us and, and see us, see us in our fullness and see us in our diverse variety of expressions and the things that we do in our lives, the ways that we look, the ways that we, the jobs that we do, the projects we work on, the families that we have and our relationships that we're in, that there's such a vast, like, pool, like there's just so many of us. There's so many ways to live as a trans person is what I'm trying to say. Um, I kind of think I felt for a long time I wasn't trans enough to be trans. And that's something I've heard a lot of trans people say over the years is that like, I didn't or I'm not trans enough or that sort of thing. And, and there's no, there's no one way to be trans. Um, It doesn't have to be so binary, though it can be. Um, And, you know, for me, it's just kind of an exploration. And for me, my trans living into my trans identity is a spiritual awakening. I often say when people started calling me she at first, I was like, don't call me she, I'm I'm a boy. You know, that was my transphobia. Eventually people started calling me she and I felt seen. I felt like you were seeing what was inside of me. You were seeing the things that I wasn't able to let out or have out in public. And so I remember thinking it was a term of endearment. And I remember also thinking that I couldn't use she pronouns because I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't a trans woman in that way. And then I realized that my she doesn't take away from anybody else's she, you know, like there's enough 
chi for everyone, so to speak, which kind of leads also to the idea of this trans day of visibility. It's like, it's, it, it, does, it isn't about, I think sometimes people feel left out or feel like, you know, we're, we're wanting to be special or we need whatever. And I think it's, um, it's cause it was even brought up about why not have like a Christian, a, a Christian visibility day or whatever, you know, from my perspective, I feel like there's a lot of Christian visibility, but I also think, um, again, there's so many ways to be Christian and, um, I, and even, even a conservative Christian, you know, my aunt is a conservative Christian who supports me as a trans person and loves me as a trans person. So maybe having, you know, some visibility of different ways of being Christian would be good and would be beneficial. So I just encourage people that, um, or just in general, I think that's why visibility or representation kind of matters. And, and if maybe it's helpful to think of it as a sense of like a birthday, you know, <laughs> it's like we all have birthdays and we all have moments that it's, it's, it's about us, so to speak. Um, but it doesn't take away from somebody else's. It shouldn't take away anything from, from anyone else's ability to, to celebrate themselves and life in general, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm coming up on this month will be two years since I've been on hormones. Um, so I'm really just kind of landing in my, you know, uh, so I guess I thought I just wanted to say that I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit and, uh, that's okay. Um, but, um, I am going to attempt to do this series on a weekly basis um, where I plan to come on and say something. So if you want to join me live, I would love it. You can have questions and comments in like during the show, or if you listen or watch, if you listen to a podcast after, or you watch it on YouTube, um, please engage, ask questions, uh, leave comments. A lot of, a lot of all, <laughs> a lot of what I get in the comments are not things I want to be reading. So it's always great to get comments that are, um, I don't know, add it, you know, just, it's just nice to hear more positive things from folks, or even if just people have questions or um, want to know more of something. So um, I'll, I'll work on getting out some of my topic ideas in the future. If you have things you'd like to hear me talk more about, whether it's a topic or maybe it's um, a part of my story or a part of my history, or maybe even a part of my future, um, I would love to begin to speak to some of that a little bit more. I think I, I find it good for me. Um, and I think it is also part of that visibility um, that maybe others will see themselves in me in some way. And again, feel less isolated and feel more a part of and feel, feel more willing and able to expand their expression and their understanding of self and their ability to share that with the world. Um, so um, I'm going to go ahead and play the music. I want to thank my Patreon members who support my work on a monthly basis. Um, I will put them in the credits um, at the end of the show and they were in the beginning. Um, if you're interested in supporting my work, it would be Greatly appreciated. The sound might not be so great because my headset broke um, and I'm just not in a position to really replenish some of that stuff. Um, 
So if you want to help support the work of, you know, my work, that a lot of it is done digitally, or if you would like to work with me in some way, uh, I love to speak or show up and drag or, you know, um, all that sort of fun stuff. I don't want to make this like a, a plea or an ask, um, an ask kind of thing, but um, I do, I do need the support of the community in order to kind of continue going and support is subscribing to my channels or again, leaving comments or rating me on um, podcasts or, you know, there's so many ways that you can um, support me in my work. Um, sometimes it does feel really isolating and it's sometimes difficult for me to keep doing these things on a weekly basis, uh, especially when I don't have engagement. So please, please engage. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of that is just like, I just, you know, a lot of this is I'm seeking connection as well in kind of putting myself out in the world in this way. Um, there's still a lot for me that I'm, I'm seeking and I'm trying to find and trying to come to understand. So I love talking with people about their experience and their spirituality, because I have shared this often to my understanding of God and the world and why things are the way they are. Like it, it fails me often. And lately it's been challenging to know what it is that, what am I going to pray to if I'm going to pray to, or what actions am I going to take knowing that I'm connected with everyone else in the world? And, you know, how can I show up with love and compassion to all people, even the people who, who, want me to not exist in the way in the ways that I do anywho um, I wanted to keep this at right at 33 minutes that's where we're at so I'm gonna go ahead and say goodbye and join me next week um, uh, same time same place um, or listen to me wherever you listen to me take care and I love you bye-bye oops wrong button Bonnie Violet here again. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about Splintered Grace Podcast. Splintered Grace Podcast just completed its fifth season entitled Still Seeking. Splintered Grace is a podcast that I 
co-host with my aunt, who is a conservative Christian and one of my biggest supporters in my trans identity and just life in general. While many family members are choosing to no longer speak, we have chosen to sit at the table and engage in difficult conversations to find peace and restoration. Over our 24-year relationship, we have had a lot of ups and downs and We haven't always really liked each other. We definitely never understood each other and still some of it we don't, but we love one another so much and so hard and really work hard to show up for one another. And our hope is that by listening to this podcast, others may be able to begin to have peace and restoration in some of their other relationships with family members and or other loved ones. Uh, Check it out, Splintered Grace Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Take care. Love ya. Bye.